to give the people watching an experience. Sleep deprivation is a hell of a drug. Why don't you keep talking about your epiphany? I want the answer, and I sort of want it now. I may like to challenge that notion of your black and white world. Maybe I punished all the other commodities, and then I won in that commodity. Maybe I should try juggling. <laughs> What's up, guys? Today we've got one of Australia's finest kept secrets uh, coming at you from the land down under with a uh, casual 13 million plus tournament winnings, not to mention cash game winnings, who's originally a cash game player, uh, self-described gambler yet uh, hyper, very rational guy from my experience. Um, let's uh, see what he's got to say. Kale, what's going on? Yeah, and I met you in uh, in Triton as we were battling uh, in the 200k and all these like high rollers. And uh, I uh, I haven't met too many Australian poker players. Um, I am a little bit. My first thought is I'm a little confused by something. You call yourself a gambler, but you know, as I was just saying, you seem to be like a really rational guy, and you're like throwing all these like very um, challenging rational questions at me or rational perspectives or like perspectives that show you're thinking about things using this kind of lens. So how does this make sense? Because I would think that gambling and uh, when you look at p poker as gambling, um, I mean, I, I just would have thought I would have put you in more of like the, uh, the, the uh, how do you say? the camp that's like studying and all that maybe you're doing that too but maybe there's a bit both what's going on here look at everything through the same lens as everybody else but nevertheless you come to some really good conclusions and solve things in a good way so i was interested to bounce some difficult questions off you and then you bounce some difficult questions off me too um mm -hmm. in terms of gambling and poker whatever i guess i don't know everybody is in the camp of using a lot of solvers it looks like at the moment and i wouldn't say mm -hmm. i'm the person that has used much solvers I definitely have seen yeah, really. some of the outputs that they've had and my friends have sent me some stuff and I have done some stuff, but I wouldn't say I'm just out there on the solver grind or anything like that. My, when I see these things, my first thought when I knew they come out was it sort of, I was a bit devastated for poker, to be honest, because I realized mm -hmm. that we're heading down the path that like chess and other games have head down where these computers are going to, they're going to start figuring stuff out pretty fast and then everybody can just sort of use memory strategies and adopt them. But I guess when I see the stuff that Solvers does, I sort of just try and comprehend why it's a, it does A, B, C, and D. Does that make sense? And at first I might not mm -hmm. comprehend it, but then I want to understand, okay, so if it uses this bet size and it uses this raise size or lead size, where does the EV come from? Like, because maybe there's mathematics that is purer than what the solvers are doing. They're just getting there via millions of simulations with a finite amount of bet sizes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, 
I wouldn't say I've done a lot of work with the solvers, but I have done some and I've done a lot of thinking. Okay. Well, we'll get into the thinking. We'll we'll do some. Uh, we'll see if our thoughts collide on uh, uh, some kinds of things. I just I'm just curious of this uh, notion that you're a gambler. Would you say that's true, or are you more like? Uh, are you a gambler? Would you say you're a gambler, or you're or you're out there and you're on the hunt? You're a shark. Which is it? I mean, I'm definitely trying to win always. Don't get me wrong. It's a cutthroat game in poker where there's winners and there's losers, right? And I don't want to be on the okay. loser side, but right, I can't point. I can't no look less. you in the eye and sub say I've done all the study that some of the harder workers have done either. So I can't put my hand up and say, yeah, yeah, I've looked at that, I've looked at that. I have looked at some stuff. I definitely have thought hard. I've played hard, done a lot of hours, but on the table, more so than on the study side of things. But mm -hmm. I perhaps don't... I don't know. These like I'm not anti-solver. I just want to say that first and foremost. I think the solvers are great tools, but I think they're also what they are is they're that they're tools. Does that make sense? Like yeah. if you just try and remember a strategy that you see on a solver, so you look at 20 sims and you say it bets this size there and then it bets that size there and whatever, and you try and remember all that. Like I don't think that's as good as trying to comprehend why it does certain things and then extrapolate that out. Does that make sense? I, I completely agree, actually. I do get the feeling that a lot of players, including high six players, do like look at things too much from the lens of uh, like just looking at trying to rotely memorize a lot of solutions. I mean, you can do that to an extent. Um, I can't. I don't know for sure, but yeah. I mean, I was the same way. I always looked at why uh, it would reach these kinds of conclusions and that sort of thing, and this would open mm. up different. Uh, pathways of learning at least from my, that was my perspective I got like a few ideas just looking at um, the solvers that were exploitative actually but uh, I would have uh, used a different approach what I would do is I would have if I was really trying I would like I would like test a few alternative approaches to the conventional ones and mm -hmm. see um, I, I would see if there's like any kind of uh, deviate, if, if there's much EV difference, because probably there's a few different strategies that have close EVs, but not perfect EVs, if that, if that makes sense at GTO. And yeah, probably yeah. of those strategies, um, like the people probably will not play nearly as well as they would against the conventional ones. Like everyone knows roughly what ranges to bet against the 30% pot bet or 25% pot bet, um, especially like the two-thirds pot bet. Actually, people play pretty... If you look at the defend ranges of the two-third pot bet and the three-fourth pot bet, uh, it's... Like, they're pretty intuitive, mm. actually. Uh, so it's not you so You might be able to, to say make. that as a jungle man. I don't know if everybody can say that. I mean, there's not. I mean, it's like you defend pairs and some gut shots and yeah. like no real surprises. You defend like the occasional uh, high card hand, and mm. like that would be like the mistake that people make, mm -hmm. like that kind of thing. Uh, whereas, I mean, it's harder to defend against thirty percent. You can say, but even these days, people understand that pretty well. There's still a lot of potential mistakes. Like I probably make some myself um, if you look at all the different situations. But whatever. But anyway, um, all right. So it sounds like you are. I agree with your thought process. Yeah, we're not gonna see the pits. 
Well, right, I think we're not like, see you. oh no, probably not. I understand that, like you know, you've got to tap the table and say nice hand to some of these games, and they're not to be played. But I don't know. Originally, when the game came out, I tried to do some study with pen and paper, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I could do it to an extent where I'm like, hey, I'm fucking breaking some serious barriers here. But it's like you can you can do something with pen and paper, and I think it's pretty good. And when the stuff you could yeah. do with pen and paper, it might not be, you know, it could be able to compete with a, a pie solver strategy, but it's a strategy that you can balance yourself manually. And if you can learn how to make a balanceable strategy manually on any given board texture, and then you can start doing that to other board textures, I think that's a pretty good skill to have. So I would just do something like, which is pretty simple, I'd say like R equals range. And then if I get to a spot, it could be like, uh, I could have value range, I could have bluff range, I could have check raise range, and then let's make sure that if the size of the pot is, say, P per pot, that those combinations balance out. And then, okay, now that we've got those combinations balanced out relevant to the size of the pot, which hands do I choose to raise for value and for bluffs? The value part's pretty easy to break down. Let's use that as the forefront, and then we'll create bluffs that make mathematical sense. Wait, so, wait. Um, this is all, like, nice idea, and also... Like, it'd be, like, pretty... I mean, this would have been really applicable uh, in the past, but you're saying that you this could actually work in the future, but why would you do this instead of use... I um, didn't do this instead of use solvers, solver. but this is just what I did before solvers come out. And then once oh, you've you relied on that, it's like, okay, I have this as a good baseline. Now what can the solvers teach me? Actually, okay, I was making some mistakes here, here, and here, and whatever... But I don't know, I never really liked the solvers that much and I didn't understand how to use, or I didn't spend the time to use Pi Solver or whatever. My friend made a tool where you could get the solution straight away and I had a bit of a crack at that. But putting all these inputs in and waiting 30 minutes and shit, I was just, I was just like, this isn't for me. I don't like this. Well, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like Pi Solver was not something you really wanted to come out. Uh, I understand your, um, you're, quite adept at problem solving or is that true i should ask actually is that true would you consider um, yourself i'd say i'm a pretty good problem good. solver yeah and i like to attack problems and if i don't know the answer to problems i want the answer does that make sense i have a big sure, hunger sure. for information well, well we're gonna see if we can get to the bottom of uh a couple bigger problems in a little bit um but i want to ask uh also i know that you were in civil engineering before uh, you decided to play poker. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me, is there any kind of uh, relevance to that? I mean, is, is, does this have something to do with... It was probably I just a lifestyle choice mistake, to be honest. I think oh, there was yeah. a bit of pressure from my parents back then to go down this path, and maybe it was something I would have been suited to, but my heart wasn't really in it. So in essence, I'm just a university dropout, like I'm All sure right, a lot well, of us uh, are. So, so how did you uh, find poker then? I just stumbled into it, basically. Um, okay. When I was in high school, there was a friend of mine who was quite smart, mathematical, very bright guy, and he was playing online poker as you know a young kid, and he was making maybe 50 bucks an hour or even 100 bucks an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, if my friend Dave is making 50 bucks an hour, and he's like, you know, he's one of the math guys. There's something to this poker business. Does that make sense? At least this was my yeah. thought process. So then yeah. I just started playing for play chips on PokerStars. Not even real money. Maybe I played a home game for like 10 bucks or whatever. 
I think the first time I played, I won $12 and I was pretty, pretty stoked with that. And it sort of just fell into place from there, I guess. Okay. All right. Um, Maybe similar to you, mate. You just probably stumbled into it as well. I'm not sure, but... I found it from video games. Yeah, okay. It's not like that far away from video games, right? Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah, if you think of it like that, it's like you're trying to get a high score on a different type of game, right? Or trying to pass the levels. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, how does this rate relate to... Um, I know you're into philosophy from what we talked about. Is there any kind of connection to that that's just like a total non sequitur for you? Um, or do you see yourself using your skills in philosophy uh, in poker? I, I know I actually took a philosophy class and it reminded me a lot of math, actually. Um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe you're really good at it and you know how to use it in poker or... Um, um... Great connection there. I don't know. I, well, what I do is I think I ask myself a lot of big questions and perhaps you do the same thing. And I'm not particularly mm -hmm. comfortable for the fact that I don't know some of the answers to some of the questions. I'm, I don't know not a sure. lot of stuff in life, but the stuff I want to know, I sort of want to know it now. Does that make sense? And I don't oh, mind yeah, digging yeah. through the weeds to find know it. know it in theory now, right? But what was that? Sorry? Everyone wants to, in theory, know it now, right? Like yeah. Not, uh, but maybe not but... do the work together well i would say that i would you know i would say that uh you you want that you have the desire to want want to do it now but i read uh there's a couple of perspectives on wanting that i'd like to point out um so first of all i read this quote that really intrigued me was that one of the most miserable things in life would be to not be able to desire anything and i'm like what um this one I don't 100% understand, but I will say this, is that if imagine if you're playing a video game mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you, you reach like the end of it, right? And there's mm -hmm. nothing else to do. Uh, and you're like, well, shit, this is boring. I want to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. um, so if you had all the answers now, then you may uh, end up you being may, bored. You may destroy your fulfillment instantly. Yeah, because that's what you're searching like, for, right? Yeah, and there's all sorts of like it, you like kind of take away the whole like the whole enjoy potential for enjoyment, and if there's no longer anything to unlock, if there's no longer mm -hmm. you know anything to inspire to, um, or to be inspired by, or anything to long uh, to uh, to get beyond where you are. Mm -hmm. uh, or any experience to look forward to or anything like that. Um, so That sounds like had... a miserable existence if you did that. Yeah. But well, no one does that, right? Had... Well, had you had everything that you wanted right in this instant, um, well, actually, you'd want more with the way that the universe actually works. But uh, you may find, like, basically, this is something I've thought about. Uh, this is my thoughts on this but this okay. whole idea thoughts? do you see um let's talk about this do you understand the importance of patience i mean re this is gonna sound stupid but maybe more recently <laughs> i don't think Why i had that? much patience uh for a very long time perhaps still i'm lacking patience but maybe learning to be patient okay okay 
I don't know. Uh, but I was happy. Oh, let's put it this way. Let's pose another question to you. Like, you see a lot of people that are out there that are chasing certain goals, yes? Yeah. Almost everybody's chasing some type of goal or maybe little goals or whatever. And then you see people that are chasing big goals. Maybe you see some people that are chasing never-ending goals and you know who they are. I think uh-huh. some people, like, let's pretend you take the pursuit of money, for example. And a lot of people yeah. in poker, gambling, business, whatever, they're on the pursuit of money. But it's sort of like a never-ending treadmill where you just, you can chase an apple attached to the end of it and you never reach it. And you can yeah. you can upgrade your net worth a million times over, but you can always go more. And then how much fulfillment do you get from being on that treadmill? Well, sure. I um I think this is relevant also to the point that we're, uh, at least I had in my head. Uh, and I agree, by the way. And this is, I have this dilemma myself. Um, it seems like you felt it as well is, you know, in poker, uh, if it's all, if it's only going to be about the money, um, and this is a, in a way problem solving, if it's only going to be about the money, then it essentially, at least for me, it became like running on a treadmill at a certain point. There are no mm-hmm. stakes that were higher to, to go to. Um, and like, even if you were to like keep making money, it would, it would be more interesting, I guess you could say, but, uh, then the nature of your experience would change a bit if that was your only goal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it, and it might, uh, yeah, it might sap out a lot of like, because, well, let's put it this way. I would actually put it the opposite way that because, uh, there are things that matter besides money. There's much more room for experience to exist. Absolutely. Um, beyond that um like why did you get into poker originally probably because you loved it as well as the fact that you could make money right yeah but if you looked at it on like a venn diagram there was probably a plethora of things overlapping one i i enjoy it two i'm learning new things that i can apply elsewhere three maybe your your friends are involved four maybe you're making money then if it gets to the point where the other parts of the venn diagram slip away it's like okay, you've made some commodity trades now. You've made a trade for enjoyment. You've made a trade where, okay, you don't get the social joy out of it that you used to. Um, and then now you're just chasing, you're just chasing one thing. It seems like that's a, that's a bad deal, right? So I don't know. Yeah. I haven't played much. I didn't play live poker for like two and a half years. And I sort of come to the conclusion that I was making some bad commodity trades, if you will, and was happy to not play. For me, the biggest one was Let's I would explain go. Explain that. Explain that because I think uh, I, I have a guess of what's what you mean, but the audience may not have this idea uh, of what you mean. Basically, for me, the biggest one was I'd go overseas and I'd play these tournaments and whatever, and I would enjoy playing the tournaments. I'd enjoy catching up with the people involved in the tournaments, but I would go huge periods of time without sleeping, where I'm clearly oh, yeah. sacrificing my health for other things and then i would just sort of have this attitude where whatever i was born a bit of an insomniac like bad luck some people have it much worse i don't care i'm here to grind if that's what i've done i've, ta- I've paid for mm. my flights and my hotel like fuck it no, i'll, I'll like suffer in my chair grip my teeth ever. and I, I don't care like i'm here to play 
This is uh, this pain right. is a rel. Do you know what I mean? But that's the stupid attitude as well. Warrior. Huh? Diehard warrior. It's like stab me attitude. in my chair now. I'm here to play. But that is so fucking so stupid well, it's at the admirable same time. In many ways, it's just uh, it's admirable. I I was like that, and it's hard to balance it a bit. Sometimes it's good to be like that. It's like hopefully I had a bit of an epiphany when I was in Spain because I went to a pretty bad place where I was not good from sleep deprivation and then i sort of come to the conclusion that okay even if i have these sleeping problems and whatever and i've had these since before i started playing poker some of the attitudes i bought into when i was playing poker is not is not conductive of putting my health first does that make sense yeah yeah i can see that i just found it interesting that you looked at it as like trading commodities if that made sense. Sure. Uh, I want to talk a bit more about that, but I also want to talk about, why don't you keep talking about your epiphany also and like what happened and what did you do about it? Okay. Um, let's just say I had a bit, I've had a bunch of insomnia spells and I'm feel pretty comfortable talking about this because people who know me good know what I'm like anyway, but I've had a bunch of spells where I've had say severe sleep deprivation. So perhaps... Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes I've done six days, seven days, no sleep, and I'm not taking any drugs or wow. anything to do this. This is not very That's good. That's intense. Yeah. That's and crazy. It's, I'd say here I come from Malaysia where I was averaged three hours a night for ten nights. Let's just say I averaged two and a half hours a night for on average maybe 20 nights. And yeah. then things started to go... The thing is, that's not what people should be doing with their health. Do you know what I mean? Sleep is like an integral part of being able to function well as a human, right? It's integral mm -hmm. for your health as well. But I think it's sort of like, if you know someone who's an alcoholic, they can function on alcohol better than someone who's not an alcoholic. So someone who's constantly sleep deprived can function better on sleep deprivation than someone who's not constantly sleep deprived. So I can oh, sort yeah. of play poker in these states, but it doesn't mean I'm not commodity trading something else. Is that what I mean? Let's pretend I... I yeah, yeah. I gambled or even I was good at poker and I earned some money. I'm paying tolls with my taxes. I'm paying tolls with my mental state. Sorry, not with my taxes. Mm -hmm. I'm paying tolls. I'm paying taxes with my uh, health, my physical health, yeah. my mental health. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe even I pay tolls with my friendships in the short term because I'm fucking irritable and shit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, so sure. that sort of stuff would happen. And then, I don't know, it's like, but I've been dealing with this problem for a long time, maybe so since I was 17, 33. And then, it's going to sound pretty stupid, but I was just walking through a park with Michael Adamo. And then it's like, mm -hmm. this is, sounds stupid, but he can verify this happened. A piece of bark fell from a tree and just hit me on the top of the head when I was like... <laughs> It's, just, it's, like, it's sort of like Isaac Newton, the apple hitting him, but it's just this, this is my own realization that perhaps you're also <laughs> to blame for your own problems. Does that make sense? So When the bark hit you on you on your head, why, why is that? I don't know. Maybe it just snapped me out of my own stupidity. And I'm hoping. Here's the thing. It might not be a real epiphany, is, but I've had some wins since. the magic bark. <laughs> the magic bark. If, here's the thing. Whether it's it's actual thing or not, if I buy into it a little bit and I get some placebo effect out of it, and then I change my habits. It's worth something. So we'll take it, right? Mm -hmm. So 
basically, since I've got home, I've done some things that I haven't done before. Maybe, so this sounds like something small, but I've had some naps with my girlfriend, which I haven't been able to do, even sleep in the same bed as my own girlfriend, because I'm an insomniac. Mm-hmm. So like, that's yeah. a win for me, do you know what I mean? If I haven't done that, and I've been yeah. with my partner for over a year, I'm celebrating that win now. I'm stopping to yeah. smell the roses, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so there's been a few th- okay. few things like that. Slept in the same bed as my, my, my girlfriend. I feel like I can relax and be in my own body a bit more. So maybe mm-hmm. taking care... I've maybe put the attitude forward that if I decide to play poker in the future or go somewhere or go overseas or whatever, I'm going to put my health ahead of that stuff as opposed to the other way around, which I, is the way I did things forever. Sure, sure. I felt like... Maybe this makes sense to you. So some people I feel like are very good at life balance and then other people, perhaps like myself, are pretty poor at that. So what I think I'm good at is I'm good at doing one thing at a time, 100%. And I'll do that thing 100% and I'll sacrifice other things to do it 100%. But then other people are like, they're good at juggling a bunch of balls at once. See, I might be like, I'm playing poker for two months. I'm going to put in huge hours. I'll... I'll battle the people. I'll I'll study what they do. I'll be on. I'll be pretty sharp. I won't be able to turn off. But that's coming from somewhere. Do you know what I mean? There's uh that's not necessarily bad. Actually, there's many uh people who func who are high functioners or high uh I think it can make sense to do that as long as it doesn't like hurt the other areas too much uh long term. Um Maybe in actually that I've read about and can get behind. I was even thinking to do something similar, but not exactly for poker. Um, I'm all for life balance. I think it's, uh, I think there's some nuance a bit. Um, But uh, if you want to achieve high results, it's actually really great to focus specifically on that thing. Um, In fact, there's something called a, that that people are a lot of like high functioning entrepreneurs and uh other people really want to focus in fact a lot of spiritual people uh had these like long periods of isolation partly mm. to to uh what's the word to self-inquire and also to be open it was theorized that they that they were more open to the universe um to like the you could say the some kind of intuition of the universe because they had periods of self-isolation is that why yeah yeah it does make Uh, sense because this is what i mean this is what i would interpret from that and this is just my own i don't know brand of philosophy if you will but if you have self-isolation then you get more familiar with yourself right so yes for example like let's pretend i studied other people all the time but mm-hmm. I didn't quite understand myself. I can use... There's a sort of overlap there where in the middle I have self-comprehension and then I have comprehension of, of other individuals that would overlap with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. For example, I'm here. This is my sphere. And then Jungle Man comes in and he overlaps a bit. He spends a bit of time with me. Yeah. And I get to understand the Jungle Man a bit. But if I don't understand myself, now I'm making some perhaps poor assumptions that I base on you that I spawn mm-hmm. from my own poor assumptions or understanding of myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So if you spend a bunch of time right. with yourself, you comprehend yourself better, you can comprehend others better, right? If you understand your own behavior better, you can understand others better. I, I do better. agree, yeah. I do agree. In fact, uh, I mean, it's worth an experiment. It's like a, a, your own personal experiment. And I mean, it's not like people haven't done it in the past. There's all sorts of like people in history that have done such things mm. uh, and yielded great results. Like, uh, I mean, obviously there's tales of like, I mean, the Buddha kind of did it. He, it was more complicated with him. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's Have you uh, ever tried somehow it? an important step and journey. What's that? Have you ever tried it for yourself? No, I was considering it. So what's I a was, long time by just, yourself, just out of curiosity? Or do you have to be practicing certain other behaviors to get the most I out of it? I don't know, but I can tell you... Uh, I'm aware of a school in Guatemala where it has the option to do this, uh, but you need to be a bit prepared as well. It has it's like a more a lesser known spiritual um, sect called Hermeticism. Uh, it sounded really interesting. Okay. Um, Would you say it's called Hermeticism? Know. Huh? Would you say it's called again? Sorry. Hermeticism. It's actually Hermeticism is from uh, the. It's from, I believe, the Egyptians. Okay. It's uh, many of its elements one. are in many different religions. Oh, Hermeticism actually, coming from the term hermit, I guess. But yeah, I don't think so. It's not. No? Uh, but anyway, it's kind of like it comes from like the formations of many religions. If you look into the history of all that, it's quite interesting. And a lot more involved than people are aware of. Anyway, um, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I think basically deep. It's called deep work, is what is what uh, you've been doing. There's actually a book called it. And if you're interested, uh, yeah, like it's. I was thinking of doing it myself. This sounds like a very effective way to solve a lot of tough problems. This is in fact what people do a lot in order to solve problems or to do a lot of work. And I was thinking to myself, maybe I should go. I should like. Instead of like hopping around a lot or really, really focus hard when I am going to focus uh, and like put away a lot of distractions, um, basically filter out a lot of distractions, maybe even like shut down Instagram or whatever at some point. Mm. Um, Social media detox. Like, oh, yeah. How many balls do you think you're juggling at the moment if I just did the ball analogy? Too many, man. Uh, I thought you might be. <laughs> But I thought like you could you could be better at juggling them and hmm. all that, and I tried I've to create systems to to deal with them, and then basically just, it ends up getting really complicated, and you need other people to do it that are good at like like I'm not really good at like picking up details, so I need someone who's gonna be good at that. Why don't you uh, study gonna, like, picking up huh? details as one of the balls? Uh, Remove a couple of balls and then uh, learn how to pick up details. I think you can. Uh, it's not that simple. It's because that requires a different way of, of like functioning. I, mm -hmm. I don't really function that way. I'm more like the opposite. I uh, am like highly purpose driven. Yeah. And I'm just doing yeah. things related to the purpose, and like I'm making a bunch of like peripheral mistakes, basically, or not noticing the peripheries. Yeah, uh, but so it's I like think... totally opposite to my strength. But I think what you do is, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, you sort of just go in there where you're like, "This is my goal. I'm gonna try to get to my goal." I'm going to do A, B, yeah. C, and D and try to do a bunch of things at once. And if I make mistakes yes. along the way, whatever, it happens. But you learn from the mistakes anyway, so then you get better later, right? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that is essentially my approach in a nutshell. I mean, related to the mistakes, you know, you can look at all these meta mistakes. This is what I'm getting at, is like, the meta mistake in this situation would be, okay, well, clearly I'm making a lot of peripheral mistakes because I'm just like balls to the wall all the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and I need someone who's gonna, like, not just gonna catch all those little things. And there's always little things that you can't think of yourself because mm. you always have limited attention. You can't have infinite attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need those kinds of people. Um, but yeah, I forget how we got onto this. Yeah, deep work. It's deep actually work. a good idea. I'll and, look into it. Um, it's cool that you were actually doing it um, yourself intuitively. Uh, well, that's... I think, yeah, I think the, I don't know. I think everybody sort of has this narrative and I'll say the word narrative of like, who am I and how did I get here? Like I was born there and then I got to here. Right. And what happened along the way? And does that make sense? But it is mostly, I think it is a narrative. Does that make sense? Because like you said, not everybody, you can't catch a hundred percent of the details. Right. Every, like you remember things, but you also forget things. And you yeah. tell you, you have some understanding of, of how yourself works or uh-huh. how some concept works, but it's, it's not some, not, and I think the world is a bit black and white, to be honest. And I think the shades of gray are just the parts we don't understand yet. Like, we don't know how that works. It could be this. It could be that. I don't know. Let's figure it out. But people have judgments as well, which are incorrect. And I have judgments about myself, which are also could be incorrect, Right. So, well, um, okay. I want to, if as I a, go on. As a guy wearing a shirt that's not just black and white and it's got a lot of shades to it, yeah, I may like to challenge that notion sure. of your black and white world. Okay. Uh, I feel like that would be the guy who's appropriate to do that. Oh, and you've got a got shirt like, that has colors on it. So I the shirt a, has colors, that, colors that are black and white and gray. Yeah, I think that yeah, conclusion, yeah. We, we measured the colors, we looked at them, and then we said, okay. Yeah. We, we've graded them on a scale from zero to a hundred. Maybe one side of the scale we got white, one side we got black, and this is every single pixel in there, and this is the color. Sorry, that's black and white. That's the answer. Uh, uh, well, thank you, Mr. Logic. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that one. I think you won this battle, but that's right. We got more we'll have to get, we'll, I, I'll see if we'll see who wins the war of that one. Okay. Uh, we'll save that one for later maybe you're right too uh, though because if i walk through life every day seeing everything is black and white and i don't see the colors maybe you win and i lose maybe you get to smell the roses more and who's the real winner yeah we'll throw the roses in there uh i don't know if your hand your your philosophy and math can handle the roses (laughs) um yeah i I do want to talk a bit about a bit more about this your sleep deprivation stuff Mm. um and about this idea of trading commodities, okay. as you said, because, um, well, first of all, how did you fix it? Because like, it's I don't know if it's fixed yet. Yeah, huh? I, don't, I don't know if it's fixed yet, first of all. Yeah. I, I think I'm still, well, this is what I've thought. I've sort of told myself the story that I'm an insomniac and this is who I am. And I was, maybe I was born this way or whatever, but perhaps I was making... For example, like, let's pretend I've gone overseas several times and I've decided to play poker. And the general theme of what would happen would be I would get hyper alert. I wouldn't be able to turn off. I wouldn't be able Mm -hmm. to turn my brain off and go to sleep at night. Then what I'd do is I'd say to myself, 
I, well, this is fine. I can handle this for a bit. And then I'd also say to myself, if I get zero sleep for the night, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'll wait till the third night and then I'll consider taking medication or a sedative. Does that make sense? But if I go in there and say that like data tells me if I don't sleep the, thir- the first night, then I just don't sleep for another two nights and then I'll just take medication on the third night. Did I decide to not sleep for three nights or is that just... Do you understand what I'm saying? Did I already decide yeah. not to sleep for three nights or was I just not didn't sleep for three nights this time? But then if you do that how many times in a row, like at what point is it my fault that I need to change my strategy, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. So there was a few things yeah. like this going on in terms of how did I fix it? Well, I had to remove myself from where I was playing poker for a bit. Um, I needed to be sedated, basically. I couldn't turn my brain off. And then once I got home, it's like, this is what I do. I need to take medication for a bit. And then now I've slept for a few days and I'm basically back to normal. But there's probably, for example, when I was playing in Trident or whatever, I was running around a bit. I would start to have what the doctors would describe as um, sleep deprivation induced manic episode. Does that make sense? Because if mm-hmm. you have that much sleep deprivation, I'm not sure exactly what happens, but you're so fatigued. I think your body gives you some type of kick, right? And mm-hmm. then you can have symptoms of mania. At least I do. So I'll be bouncing yeah. around everywhere, speaking in 2x speed, going from this idea to that idea. This is... Where did I go to make this bad commodity trade? This is the sleep deprivation, obviously, right? Which I'm doing to mm-hmm. play poker, perhaps chase money, whatever... But this is a bad commodity trade. I've gone too far in this trade. Does that make sense? Yeah. At least yeah, this, yeah. anybody on the outside might think that. Whereas I've just told myself, this is just what happens when I play poker. This is probably why oh. I didn't play for two and a half years. Does that make sense? I was happy to not play yeah, yeah. and not do this to myself. Yeah. Um, we're going to tie this into patience, by the way. Patience, okay. Um, and even the idea of like balance, it's a bit related. Okay. Uh, I'm listening. I've got some thoughts on that, but I like the idea of a uh, commodities trade because that's literally when, what I think that people are doing in a different, well, different commodities. Uh, one day I personally kind of had the same realization that you're alluding to is that, you know, quality of health and, and money and also enjoyment, things like that. They're all kind of like commodities mm-hmm. um, or even like influence or whatever. They're all kind of like commodities. Uh, they basically are. And at some point it hit me sort of a similar thing to you, but I didn't have sleep deprivation. I um, I had uh, other problems, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. but they're a bit more subtle. Uh, it hit me that if I focused too much on uh something like money etc the feeling of that would produce diminishing returns of course and i as you said would sacrifice other commodities or i noticed that other commodities had value to me Mm -hmm. um other aspects in life and i feel like the reason why i bring this up is i feel like a lot of poker players don't see all those commodities in the games and don't look at poker in that kind of way in this thing that should be fun. And, you know, like a, a, 
the other players that are more casual have the more natural tendency to make it that way and yeah. higher stakes game players are almost pushed towards making it that way mm. uh, which makes sense um i think you're right but i think a lot of players that uh that are in it for the money don't realize also many of the uh commodities they sacrifice in order to get for the money and also sometimes that even hurt their bottom line mm. just as sleep deprivation did for you mm. like for example me. i mean one example that's not that obvious uh what did you say i said maybe it helped me the sleep deprivation for the bottom line but for one commodity at a time do you understand maybe i punished uh, all the other commodities and then i won in that commodity Does oh that yeah sense? sure yeah so who yeah probably didn't win really um so um uh i mean this is kind of the way that i looked at and maybe you can get behind this also this is the way that i looked at doing something like getting really mad at the poker table mm -hmm. when you lost a hand and i was guilty of this myself mm -hmm. or um or just being a not nice person at the poker table on the whole do you see how doing that sacrifices first of all it actually does sacrifice money in the long run and it yeah, does sacrifice worse, sure. a different kind of commodity if that makes sense yeah it sacrifices your peace of mind and happiness presuming you, you're doing it at the poker table you're actually getting angry yeah for sure i think you make some really good points with what you said before how people potentially at the high stakes i can't say that they are because i don't really know what they're feeling or thinking but if they're going in there playing and they're saying oh, i have to be in this condition so I can make the most money possible purely is why they're playing the game. And they're sort mm -hmm. of going in there and not enjoying it or playing when they don't want to play. They've sort of already sold some of their soul a little bit because what they like, this is what I think, right? If you play the money game and you just keep playing it and playing it and playing it, at what point do you get out of the money game and into the happiness game? Mm -hmm. If there's another game to be played, like, I don't think anybody's like, Oh man, like, so I was on my deathbed and I was just thinking to myself, why didn't I play that, that 10k from like, <laughs> what? Like, or why didn't I grind that series from the start? It's like, that's not what people think. The word grind wouldn't even come into their conversation. It's like, why didn't I spend more time doing the things I loved? Which is usually spend time with your family for most people. Spend time on mm -hmm. your passion projects, whatever. Pursue some dream that maybe you just let go because it was risky or whatever. I think these mm. are the questions people ask on their deathbed, probably. So if you're doing something like, I don't know, pursuing, playing some game, you're playing poker all the time, purely for money, you're doing some other thing purely for money, business, you're working 70 hours yeah. a week, 80 hours a week, you don't enjoy it, but you make more money that way. It's like, this is the type of shit you're probably just going to regret on your deathbed. So at what, and also like, if you have some money, because I sort of told myself a story if I get to this amount of money, I'll probably just stop playing this game. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And not yeah. to say that I don't love poker. I think it's a beautiful game. And I want to keep playing it. But just not the way I, I used to do it. Does that make sense? At what point yeah. do you get out of that game and into the happiness game? And then if you stop doing that, which I think I was guilty of doing, I'll put my hand up and say I kept playing the game in a non-healthy way for a while. Like, now I'm selling my soul a bit. Does that make sense? Because yeah. I know that yeah. I'm sacrificing my happiness to do it. So why am I even doing it? Yeah. 
Well, that is selling your soul. That is exactly what's that's a that's a very light version of selling your soul, in my opinion. Yeah. So like now my strategy, if I play poker, is I'm playing it for pure enjoyment, and I'm not I don't have to play from the start to make the most money, and I don't have to play the hours that give me sleep deprivation, and I'll do the things yeah. in the day that are important to my health, and for my happiness. So then it's like now I'm in the right game. I'm in the happiness game. This is the way I should be being playing. If I wake up in the morning and then some days you're not going to have a good day. Some days you're going to have a bad day. Shit happens, right? But if I have X amount of happiness that I can net out of that day, why don't I strive to take 100% of happiness out of that day instead of 100% equity out of that day with money? Sure. Well, Let, you can also, I, I think, um, go ahead. Well, it's like there's going to be a bunch of things that overlap in that Venn diagram or decision points you have throughout the day. Oh, for sure. But if you make the yeah. decisions that I'll get to that game early and I'll do this and I'll do that, and then you're stressed or whatever, and you're not sleeping or what, let's, what problems you have, you don't exercise, you don't eat properly, whatever decisions or you don't do something that's important to you. It's like these are all decision points where you've affected the amount of happiness that you could take out of that day when really what you should probably do is strive to increase your happiness, right? Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, I want to add a couple more commodities to the list or a couple more uh, parameters, if you will, about uh, that are interest that are uh, parts of that happiness um, that I think people don't necessarily see. Uh, and I'd also like to point out that a lot of people will like do this thing where they're like, and I'm guilty of it too. It's hard to like get out of bad habits where they'll like think these kinds of thoughts and get in these sorts of like mental states where they sacrifice. And this is just looking at it from the, uh, the personal, uh, way of look, this is just looking at the own, your own self. You, they'll get in these states that, I mean, you even said it yourself, they sacrifice their happiness. But in my mind, this is like when you're playing the happiness game, this is like, uh, this is like using a bad strategy or it's even like, not taking up like positive free rolls. You can you can do a lot of things to increase your happiness that are essentially like positive free rolls in the game. Like you can go in there and you can just like uh I don't know, you can just totally tune out or you could like bring a good attitude to the table mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um I mean, you could also like I mean, it's kind of similar to going out and the the idea of not putting any effort in at all versus like okay i'm gonna put in some effort and i'm gonna try to have a fun time sort of thing if you mm -hmm. know what i mean because mm -hmm. if you try to have a fun time if you don't try to have a fun time it's almost like well it's not putting in it's like putting in no efforts like taking like a weak tight strategy if that makes sense and a weak tight strategy in, to fun yeah yeah you and, go out uh, and you net all that fun you, know, the the costume on. you got the costume on you're netting all the fun huh at the final table, well, we're not yeah. messing around. Well, it's I'm good. spicing up. I'm I'm using loose aggressive. I, I would say loose aggressive is not actually for everyone on second thought, but like probably it's suboptimal to or excuse me, um, weak tight is probably suboptimal in a lot of situations. Yeah. There's really a lot of indication of that. Uh, but uh, like that's one comparison I'd like to to make. But also when you bring a grumpy strategy or bring a grumpy like uh. A way of dealing with things at the table you know you'll have this influence on other people right. which you can easily see that will eventually come back to you mm -hmm. that will eventually like they're gonna like you less 
they're going to not want to play with you as much. They're going to return it with by being grumpy themselves. I mean, that's certainly true. Um, and all that is going to kind of perpetuate mm-hmm. this grumpiness a bit. Uh, or like make you lose in the, in the happiness game. Mm-hmm. And probably make you lose in the financial game too. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Do you sense. agree? Yeah, it does. I don't think I've been, been guilty of taking grumpiness to the table per se. Maybe a little bit if I'm in one of my manic states. I feel like I, when I go to play, one of the things I like about playing live poker is I get to chat to the people at the table. I'm not one of the mm-hmm. high roller guys that wants to sit there and just like not talk with my headphones on. I want to chat to everybody. And to be honest, like uh, that's one of the things I get the most out of it. When I'm like this mm-hmm. and I'm a bit more calmed down and I'm slept, it's probably sleeping. It's probably tolerable for other people. I knew when I was in uh, Cyprus, I was fucking all over the shop asking philosophical questions. I was probably getting on people's nerves. Mm-hmm. I was probably being... <laughs> I, I was. Sorry, guys. And they were all well, pretty good about it. But like, I remember like my yeah. friend pointed some... Both of those, by the way. I've, huh? I've done... Go ahead. Yeah, like my friend said something to me like you're sort of polarizing this, this chat here he's watching one of the, the videos order and then i was like yeah i can sort of put my hand up later and say i was being a bit of an annoying prick this is not usually what i'm like but sorry it is what it is if you get that much sleep deprivation it's, sleep deprivation is a hell of a drug yeah it's um it is important also to know when uh, the chats are fitting the situation that's a important trait i've definitely pissed off people ask, asking deep questions a little bit uh but i I was aware of it uh, for the most part, uh, and I absolutely made all the grumpy mistakes. Uh, yeah. I did slow mental shift. Yeah, I guess you could say. But that, like, also, even if chatting's not for everyone, I mean, there's other different kinds of ways of being fun that mm-hmm. don't really require. I mean, it, it, it's hard for me to answer for everyone, but like, you can play with the chips or, or whatever. I mean, there's many. There's a few different outlets you could say that in a sense, do actually expand the game. Yeah, um, I think that's true. But it's good that, by the way, uh, actually, you go ahead first. No, I just said I think that's true. Keep, keep on going. I was going to say that uh, it's good that you're one of the people that is trying to talk because, man, is it like a ghost town. Every time I, I stroll up there, I like... I feel you. Uh, I feel like I'm playing... I feel like I'm in the... Uh, like in a... Uh, terminator series or something uh when i end up at the table uh yeah it's like really i think it's it's a high stress environment where these people uh the the players don't want to give much away which you can understand and then also they are busy concentrating on a lot of things at once that's true so but like i don't know i'm like i haven't fucking played for a while guys i want to come for a chat it's been two and a half years what's going on do you know what i mean like this is what i'm thinking but at the same time, they're playing for a lot of money, so you can't... Especially, like, I was, like, annoying people a bit on the bubble, and then, like, I was, like, I don't know. Like, I'm having fun here. Like, I want to chat. But then, at the same time, like, these guys are playing for a lot of money. I'm playing for a lot of money, too, obviously. But I was there to have fun. Does that make sense? This is what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's, like... I, uh, yeah. Uh, I think it should be... I mean, I think... I think it's generally good to at least enjoy what you're doing. Um, I think, uh, I think in the tournaments, it doesn't matter as much. Um, I think it matters more for TV Mm. and, uh, like more when you're playing in high stakes games, 
where when you become the guy who's like trying really die hard to win, that's when that's what pisses people off. Mm-hmm. Like it, in a competitive setting, fine, right? Compete. But if you're if you're in a setting with a bunch of VIPs or if you're on TV where now you're kind of like a showman um mm. or you're like you know the people p- coming to play themselves aren't there to like battle you out it's almost like disrespectful to be like fully like you know full cutthroat mode um it's a it, disrespectful is an exaggeration but it's not uh a better way of looking at it would be it's it's like forfeiting a lot of ev you can mm. say are a you saying because like the ca- the cameras are on and stuff, you sort of owe it to the public to b- provide an entertainment service? Is that what you're getting at? Uh, that's the moralistic view. I would say that it's a healthier uh, strategy than not mm. doing that for mm-hmm. many reasons. Um, now, I don't know how to get many of the poker players excited about that. Uh, and it's more true for me, especially, or people with an actual name, but mm. you could give the incentive of like, you could look at it as like, if for the person who's, you know, has a, you know, positive way of looking at things is like, oh, like I want to have fun and I want to put on a show or I want to give the people watching an experience that's positive for them instead of like having them just watch, uh, some guy that they don't know a thing about, you know, just like be really quiet and focus really hard on the game and they want, really they want the guy in the lot. wrestling outfit at the final table who's here to win it back to back and he's not taking any prisoners that's what they want yeah 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 it's a <laughs> um it's something for the public you can say mm. it's like a gesture to the public into the game uh that's one way of looking at it this is probably uh, an underappreciated part of what phil helmuth does right a lot of people probably appreciate that and then a lot of people don't partake no, phil, in that but he, he would be winning huge smart- with with What's a that? lot of like Phil would be winning huge with a lot of the people that they they're tuning in with poker for entertainment they want to wind down and have fun and they want to be entertained and Phil Hummuth provides yeah. them with some entertainment do you know what I mean so, yeah. but some no, of the Phil other people Hummuth... want to learn poker and they don't mind listening to the person who says nothing but plays a bit different do you know what I mean sure it depends there's something for everybody but he does some good stuff that not a lot of people are doing that's for sure yeah I mean sometimes occasionally you want to like be invisible there are some incentives where that's really appropriate uh usually more like a less than zero sum situation i would say where you just like kind of have to let the thing die um (laughs) okay uh i can see that being the case but that's probably a little vague um i'm just saying it may be optimal sometimes to be to be silent uh but more and not just silent with the things that you say but with your actions but that's more in situations where you have to like get in and get out is what i mean to say Mm. uh with phil helmuth yeah i mean he does a lot of smart things that a lot of players don't do particularly in in exactly those kinds of realms he Mm. uh he gives a lot of value to the tables uh and just to people in general he's a lot less stingy than most poker players. Most poker players are not generous people. I would mm. say They're he does like, stuff for charity and stuff like that. I know that for sure. Well, I wasn't even thinking about that. I didn't realize he did that. But like, wow, yeah, um, I can just say firsthand. Like for example, oh, when the Australian bushfires run, he donated to that, and he doesn't have to. Do you know what I mean? He does some okay. stuff. So I think he's a generous person for sure. 
Fuck. Well, not just that, but he'll like he'll get the table talking, and he's just doing it like just to be just to put on more of a show and like to actually showcase some people mm. and that kind of thing. It's an act of generosity. Um, okay. And he, you know, he helped support my podcast from the beginning. Uh, he does gestures like that all the time. These kinds of mm. favors. It's actually a better. It's a. I would say it's a healthier strategy that a lot of business people understand. Um, and that a poker, a lot of poker players don't really see that there are a lot of opportunities for this in poker, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'd say, like, if you looked at, I'm not a social media guy at all, really, mm -hmm. but I can see how people can use social media to sort of leverage the platform they have. So, if you look at people in poker that have done that, he, you can't say he hasn't done a fantastic job of it if that was his goal. Does that make sense? Oh, well, he did not do that well. <laughs> no, no, he no. didn't do that. Oh, you don't think Phil's done a good job at that? How's he not? He's got a huge name in poker. Uh, not through social media. Ah. He's got it because of his accomplishments, because he's got like 14 oh, yeah. bracelets. But and also, he's active at that stuff he too. He does, he does put effort into the stuff he does. And he's happy to sort of make, like you'll make a big interest at the WSOP. He's He gets he gets on camera because, one, he speaks, and two, he's Phil Helmuth, which is automatically puts him separate from a lot of the guys, right? So... Yeah, I definitely yeah. don't agree with all the stuff he says, but you've got to give him some credit in some of the areas too, I think. Oh, he's definitely uh, got a lot of credit. I mean, his, somehow he's winning with a very unconventional approach. I mean, I guess that's the white magic, something huh? as well. Huh? Yeah, there's probably something to the white magic too. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I, think I think he's so. quite good against uh, bad players. I think so. Um, so I think there's a lot of non-CMG uh, potential in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get back to this idea of patience a little bit. I think that's an idea worth discussing. Patience. Um, and how that relates to trading commodities. Okay. Because, uh, and this has been, it seems like this is a mistake that we've been, both been alluding to that we can make, is that we've pushed ourselves too hard um, at the point at which other commodities would crash. Would mm -hmm. you say that's true? I'm definitely guilty of that. I don't know what you've done specifically, but I'll believe you if you say it. Okay. Um, and part of me was thinking to myself as I... Well, you said... The reason why I said that was partly because you said that you just basically didn't sleep and you just played and grinded and grinded. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I'm guilty of it for sure. I just don't know exactly what you did is what I'm saying. Okay, well, I'm getting to that. I have the tendency on the whole, and you've alluded to it, actually. You've said, oh, you've got a million ball balls juggling around. You've got to drop a um, ball eventually, huh? Yeah, I, I drop balls for sure. <laughs> uh, and that's like, it's actually a pretty overarching issue with my personality, and I'm not very good at dealing with it, but I'll like, I'll go to the gym and I'll lift too heavy, as it turns out, or I'll work out too hard, mm -hmm. but I'll be exhausted later, and I'll like mess up my routine a little bit. Or I'll... Uh, you know, I'll travel to all these places and just be like completely relentless with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure what the real compromise is because it feels like I've got too many things to do. But basically, uh, another example for me would be I eat a little bit too fast. I do a lot of things too fast and it causes me to make careless mistakes. But mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to figure out how to deal with it. I can come back to but, that um, thing that you said before about the fulfillment and knowing all the answers. If you all What's of a that? sudden, well, remember what you said before, 
you said if I all of a sudden knew all the answers, it would like you know that wouldn't be good for our fulfillment, and then it's impossible to do anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. So well, you, if we knew all the like answers, you're... we'd be less fulfilled. If you all of a sudden got perfect at all the balls you were juggling to the point where you did them hundred percent and never made a mistake, would you even want to juggle those balls anymore? You're. I think you're right. I think there's also a general parallel as well that you're kind of seeing, um, which is that, uh, well, maybe you can, you can say it in that, like knowing all the answers and also fulfilling all these things is all kind of the same thing. Mm. It's, it's like, it's like grasping too much at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I think of is like, let's pretend I'm someone that seeks knowledge and I am that person. I want to know the answers. If someone asks me a question, I don't know the answer. I want the answer and I sort of want it now. Does that make sense? But yeah. by that logic, like what's happening right now is there's a finite amount of information that exists in the universe. At least I would perceive there to be, but given that people are doing stuff all over the w- world right now, like I just clicked my fingers, the amount of information that exists expands. Would you say that's true? Mm-hmm. So it's impossible um, to know all the yeah. answers. And even if you had them all a second later, you wouldn't. Because a bunch of stuff happened. So, like, there's a finite amount of understanding of the tasks that you want to get good at. But over time, more understanding would come up to these tasks. You'd be able to do them slightly better. I think this is part of the reason why, like, people get better at things over time. Not just, like, academically speaking, but also in sports. Because they harness the information and they execute with that information to when they're approaching like if they're doing it now at say 70 or 80 percent of what's possible they start to approach on some type of curve towards 100 but not reaching 100 it's or does that mm-hmm. make sense maybe it's like a logarithmic curve that plateaus towards 100 i don't know the answer but it, it's go, a, i think it's logarithmic. logarithmic it would make sense to be logarithmic um but if 100's moving away from 100 it's like still logarithmic but not reaching 100 um so going back to your thing with juggling, this is what I thought. So you're juggling a lot of balls, so you would have you would be somewhat good at juggling. Um, if I yeah, should try juggling. This is what <laughs> it probably wouldn't hurt, right? This is what I thought, right? So I made this example to someone the other day. I'm someone that would be terrible at juggling multiple life balls, so to speak, but good at doing one thing at once, a hundred percent. And I'll do that thing a hundred percent. I'll take all the details. I won't miss them. And I don't mind sacrificing to get them. Does that make sense? So the times when I'm going to the gym, which is less half the time, I'm, I'm all in. Like, these are the details. Mm-hmm. I know how to control my hormones. I'll eat this amount of calories. I'll, I'll do the hill sprints on top of this. I'll wake up. I'll get sun in the morning. I'll eat the right food. I'll, I'll do push-pull legs so I can elevate my testosterone. I'll squat to full depth. I'll pause there. I don't care. I'll sacrifice. All right. Now I'm playing. Po- now I'm burnt out from gym. I'm done. I got burnt out. I went too hard. Now I'm playing poker. Then I stopped playing poker and I'm doing something else. This is not life balance. You know what I mean? But what you're doing is you're Mm -hmm. doing the opposite. You're juggling a lot of balls. You're like, yeah, I'm juggling 10, 12 balls. I don't know how many. And then eventually it's like, that's a lot of balls. Maybe you drop a ball. So I think what I do is I like to study a lot of things at once because I want to know the answers. But 
let's pretend we take juggling and I studied juggling. This is the example I made to someone else. And I said, this is how juggling works. This is the physics of throwing one ball up and catching it in the other hand. Um, if you add extra balls into the mix, it would look like this. Um, mm -hmm. This is what the balls would look like, but I don't know what the other side of the ball looks like because I can't see it because the light's not hitting the sun. Hit that side of the ball, but I can comprehend that it probably looks like this. And maybe I can explain juggling really well because I study juggling, but until I actually juggle once, how much do I understand juggling? Am I actually good at juggling until I've tried juggling? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and I feel like, I so. like I don't have life balance. Maybe I should just try having life balance and I won't be good at it because it might be a muscle I can train or just like juggling. But if I start a little bit and just stay consistent every day, then maybe I can break some of these bad habits I, I had, right? Well, I think that the best solution is probably a mix of the two. I the irony of of this whole thing is that I was thinking of doing what you were doing, and I was trying to think to myself, how do I juggle all these balls, <laughs> and I pick? Okay, well, this ball, I'm really gonna get really good at that. I'm gonna do just like sick tricks with this ball. Yeah. Um, but I want to do all. The, well, let's put it like this. I want to be able to do like. I want to be a master juggler, but I got to learn how to juggle these balls in a certain kind of way. I uh, think you have to and, throw a couple of balls away to do it personally, but it's up to well, you. That's well, that's what I'm getting at. That's what you were doing. You were like going yeah. super hard in the gym or whatever. Um, I was saying it sounded like you're going too hard, but the, the, the focus was good. The focus it was sounded good. like Definitely. that uh, the focus was like because you were focusing so hard. Um, you're getting results, I presume, uh, as long as you weren't, like, pushing it too hard each day, I guess. Uh, but I, I'm saying, like, it might make sense to, like, change the juggling strategies up a little bit and mm. uh, and just not get too burnt out. Uh, it's two ideas, to not get too burnt out mm -hmm. and also uh, to pick something to focus on and have a little juggling going on on the side. Maybe three ideas. Yeah, what maybe you, you should ask yourself, okay, I'm a juggler, but this is too many balls. Which of the balls I, I value the most? I'm going to juggle. This is my best ball. I want to juggle this one for sure. I'll spend a little bit more time juggling. I'll learn some more tricks with this one, but then I need to keep these balls in the mix. Maybe I'll put these ones on the back bench for, for later. And then, then I'll practice a little bit of juggling on the side. And then maybe I can add these balls back in the mix when I get better. I don't know. <laughs> Well, you got to figure out which ball is the most important. Maybe like get really, you know, you focus on that ball for a little bit. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that's your favorite ball. But then you're like, you know what? Um, I think it'd be really valuable. And like maybe people would enjoy it a bit more if I juggle with these balls too. So you put that one down for a little bit. You know, you yeah. still like it, but then you like start juggling with other you balls. You use rotational then... policies on the balls. That's good. I like it. Yeah. Rotational policies. Yeah. There we yeah. go. It's good. Okay. Uh, I feel like we're almost getting somewhere with the juggling balls strategy. We can create our own uh, juggling ball theorem, you could say. Juggling should, ball uh, method. We should actually just put a little bit of time aside. Maybe say we put 15 minutes aside three days a week. Let's actually try juggling and see if it helps us. Uh, I don't mind trying juggling. I don't know where to fit that one in. I mean, to be fair, I, I was like doing something kind of similar because it's just how my mind works the other day where I thought, you know, it'd be cool because I was practicing this. I had these two uh, sticks that are good for this ex 
Filipino mar- martial art, and I was walking down the street. Okay. And I thought what would be cool is if I could like spin them around and put on a show with them. Okay. Uh, maybe I could just like walk down the street and just practice juggling. That's what I was thinking. Maybe I presume because you're doing a lot of stuff uh, at the moment. I presume I presume you spend a lot of time on the phone. Is that true? Yeah. Do you ever put the phone on speaker, or could you put the phone on speaker? If you're by yourself, I don't see any harm, right? Yeah. Why don't you just juggle when you do that? And who cares if you have to pick up the balls off the ground, as long as you can get the message across to the person you're speaking to. Now you've got passive juggling. This is, this, yeah, this is free sure. time. Free commodity in there. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to start juggling too, we can put it. Uh, we can be the jugglers. All right, I'll give you 15 jugglers. minutes three times a week, and we'll go from there. If we don't get any improvement on the rest of it, then maybe no juggling for us. But I'll try. Okay. Uh, well, a couple ideas. So uh, I'm in for the ball juggling at least a little bit. I'll try it. Why not? I'll try. Okay. Um, where, what else? There's a lot of balls being juggled here. Uh, I'm a little confused. So, um, I think there might be something to this idea of, of a strategy of like combining all, all three. Uh, my concern, particularly with multitasking in that kind of way, um, is, uh, this is getting to the realm of like, of like maximizing self growth and being super efficient and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, if it might be the case if you're doing something like having like a phone call and trying to juggle, I'm worried a little bit that your bandwidth may be a little bit too divided mm. and it may be suboptimal to do that in comparison to doing, uh, I don't know if there's like any situation where that's not suboptimal to, um, where you're not like really good at it right. at least really good at either having a really basic conversation. I get what you're saying. Maybe you need to do some pure juggling first before you add in the phone call. Well, it, it just seems like it makes sense to multitask when you when when things cost low bandwidth. Like you can have a conversation that's in, that's deep while you're walking down the street because walking is is technically multi accounting, but not not multi accounting. Multi. Uh, <laughs> you're multitasking. This is I Multitasking. Got yeah, yeah, yeah. You're spreading your uh, but, resources of your brain, and you're choosing to walk. You're using your cerebellum. You're doing some of these ones, and then you're also having yeah. a philosophical conversation. So yeah. Um, oh well, maybe. You would you ever to listen to music for the pure enjoyment of listening to music just by yourself? Yeah. Why don't you listen not... to some music when you juggle? You can do two things at once. I do that. I do that all the time. Oh, there you essentially. go. You're in business. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just a matter of like not dividing your bandwidth between complicated activities. Mm. Uh, yeah, this isn't self growth, mm-hmm. uh, or this is like a big part of uh, maximizing. Um, Dan Smith gave me a good one. He said, for example, like if I get pretty wired, I can't turn off. Meditation could be good, right? And I have had some success with meditation, although I find that I don't do it that often and maybe it takes me a little bit to get used to it. He said, try walking meditation. So that's a nice spot where we get some exercising because we're walking. We can do the meditation so we can get some mindfulness per se. And then you can also just add some nature in, which makes you feel good, right? Uh, yeah, sure. I uh, would like to learn some walking meditation myself. Uh, I learned Tai. I took a Tai Chi lesson, which is kind of similar. It's moving meditation. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, little, that makes uh, sense. It's, it's different. Let's put it that way. But uh, that makes sense. I would keep doing it. Like you can eventually kick someone's ass in it if you do it enough. <laughs> you also, kick someone's ass at moving meditation. Yeah, kick someone's ass moving like a feather. 
uh would be pretty interesting uh, um yeah i've seen people uh, doing tai chi before how this all relates to patience is um there's always essentially since every like uh path of progression is um this is just what i think about patience is that every path of progression and every feeling really is all defined relative to each other mm -hmm. uh so it seems like if you i mean this gets this is I'll, I'll, um this is just my idea about balance and patience it seems like if you uh keep pushing yourself too hard by definition of what uh by definition of what pushing yourself really means is that you're going faster than a rate than you're actually used to mm -hmm. you will actually um you'll necessarily exhaust yourself which complicates the whole process of things that you're doing you sort of must exhaust yourself right because if you're pushing yourself past the point which you can naturally maintain that has to come from somewhere right for example yeah. if, if i go out and i have 20 drinks of alcohol and i feel pretty good and whatever and loose and whatever that night like i i think that is a commodity trade too right i'm i'm taking i'm borrowing some happiness from tomorrow or i'm borrowing lower inhibitions for a bit of pain tomorrow and my organs are going to pay those tolls because mm -hmm. i've got to process that alcohol which is poison to a degree not that i don't drink i drink sometimes right Back in the day, mm -hmm. used to pound them. Like I'm from, I'm from the uh, I don't know. I'm not from uh, like Melbourne. I'm from like a bit of a rougher area. Like me and the boys used to go out and just pound twenty drinks a night. And this is like standard that you do on a weekend, right? But then mm -hmm. my organs are paying those tolls for, for the night before, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if you yeah if you go past what you a speed that you can maintain, then you sort of have to pay that toll later. Yeah. Uh, I think you're exactly right. Um, and that's where patience and balance really come into play. And kind of it just has to, from my point of view, it, it has to be that way. It has to be, like, it's not something that is because of the arbitrary way the universe works. It's just, that's just how things essentially, I don't know how to explain. It's like the... It's just how like the dualities of trying too hard and and not trying hard enough just worked out, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, um, I think you want to find the spot in the middle where you try the right amount, right? Because you can always yeah, try, well, like I can always try a bit harder, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's good. You want to try the right amount where you, I don't know, you, you feel like... It's, you know, because if you try too hard, maybe it makes you stressed, maybe it makes you anxious, maybe it makes you sleep bad, maybe, you know, maybe your health suffers. If you don't try enough, maybe you feel guilty about not trying, and then maybe your mental health suffers, and then now you're also stressed or anxious, or feel guilty about not trying, whatever. You want to find the place in the middle. How to find that place in the middle? I don't know the answer to that. It's pretty hard, right? To be centered, no really so to speak, or be enlightened uh, or whatever you want, but... There are situations where it does make sense to borrow uh, from the future a little bit, like if it's necessary, if like the commodities are kind of messed up or the market's messed up, I guess you could say. If Do you the market's know what I mean? got it wrong. Um, well, 
uh, maybe my analogy is not too good, but basically let's, let's, let's use a poker analogy. Imagine like, uh, there's like an incredible game that's going on and I've actually played a session myself that was, uh, about 72 hours where the game was incredible and I sacrificed my, you sat for three uh, days? yeah, I sat there for three days and the game was like, uh, 1 million buy-in. $1 million buy-in or so. No, yeah. I think the guy... It was something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I ended up losing... Uh, I ended up losing in the game for sure. Um, yeah, it doesn't mean you made the wrong decision. It depends how good the game is, I guess, right? How good the game, game is, is relative. Because... This is... Maybe I'm not the right person to ask this question. Because the answers I would have given before is not good. I know, like, in Macau, I'd do, like... I'll just play until people quit, basically, a lot, which is bad. But then the way it worked in Macau is if the game quit shorthanded or forehanded or whatever, or other people quit, you just top the list for the next day. So I'll just be like, whatever, i do a 35-hour session now, and then I get up in seven hours, and then the game's on, and I'm at the top of the list. Like, So if I do 100 yeah. hours in three sessions, like, who cares? So I'm probably not the person to ask. But I think if the stakes are high enough and the win rate is high enough, you can justify it because you can just take a bunch of time off, right? Or yeah. you don't get this spot again. Or maybe you can do something with that money. It depends what you want to do with it as well. If well, you're yeah. adding it to I mean, the rest doesn't... and you don't need it, then maybe it's not the best decision. Sure. Well, obviously that situation isn't just like all money related. There's all sorts of situations where that can make sense. Where mm. you have to like... I mean, even like in some situations where you have to stay up all night and finish an exam like it can make sense to do that although cram you used to do those ones obviously, i bet you did uh of course i did yeah. um, i mean there are of course situations where uh that uh let's say let me see that uh what was i gonna say i mean obviously you know that was not the ideal situation to get in but like optimal play for the moment, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Once you get there, it's time, it's time to go now, right? Yeah, yeah. The, sometimes the, you, the exam starts in seven hours. It's, it's, it's time to put in some work with the seven hours we got. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Um, uh, I just, uh, I never personally bought too much into the... Um, school of thought that was like, it's all just about balance, man. Um, I mean, I just, for me, it was really compelling to see that logically speaking, if you look at the other alternative uh, trajectories, mm-hmm. um, that that balance, at least for the most part, is the optimal strategy, mm. you can say, of... Uh, not pushing too hard and and uh using yeah using uh using a a fairly aggressive strategy but not a moderately aggressive strategy you could say well i think what you can do is you can use hyperboles or like you can play someone on either end of the spectrum where they're just like like if that you had someone that was just like all in on one of the strategies then you see that it sort of fails catastrophically so then oh, yeah. you come to the conclusion that being in the middle is pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, that's actually a great point. Is that using hyperbole to um, to find some conclusions is uh, a great practice. I that's actually 
Um, getting back to the idea of poker, that one thing that we had in common is, I remember you said you would ask questions or you'd have all these questions that you'd be asking. You didn't know the answers to. It sounds like you were asking them in your poker theory mm, as definitely. well. Um, but like you could see how there are certain issues in the poker theory if things were taken out to hyperbole. Uh, yeah, I agree with example. you. I think this is um, part of the reason you would um, you'd be happy to go against what you think the theory is sometimes if it's not right versus your opponent, right? Yeah. Well, there's all sorts of caveats, right? Mm. Um. But I mean, one obvious example would be someone might say that aggression's always good. I mean, you could obviously take the most a super aggressive route all the time and see how that pays off for you. But you'd win at the red line, I guess, if you did that. Yeah, you can definitely do that, and that comes at a cost probably at the blue line. But you could say you could take some opponent and say that if I check, they take they always go to that theory, and they say that being aggressive is always the correct route to the point that they're grossly over aggressive maybe you should check to that opponent 100% of the time and then just punish them by loading the pot further with a wider range of value raises and then you should just mm -hmm. check call them with a wider range because they're taking it too far right so you can if anybody goes on too far of one end of the the spectrum of what they think correct play is but it's not correct then you can just punish them on the other side I think that's that's the way it works yeah this is why I don't buy into the Necessary. I mean, I think solves are a fantastic tool. I do think they can come up with pretty pure answers in spots and they can come up with good exploitative answers. But I think theory, in terms of pure theory, is one side of what poker is, is a sphere. And then if I have my pure theory and it's here, and then it's designed to automatically exploit my opponents when they stray from what a good strategy is. On the other side, it's like, but my opponent is also butchering A, B, C, and D, so why don't I just catch him butchering that and then punish them harder? If you only use this side of the the sphere, then you pretty you you would sort of cap yourself. No, uh, at least this is my understanding of the way the game works. This is no, what you're I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you only use GTO, then or the game theory, you lose a lot of value that you could otherwise be gaining. I think so too. Um, this is this is what I think for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's actually a good example of what we're just talking about is of taking something out to hyperbole it's like oh let's play GTO or there's no no other value other than GTO and like here it is here's the example someone just plays insane just I promise like, you all the players in the super high rollers are playing a very strong brand of poker and they're all making mistakes sorry and anybody who says otherwise uh, is doesn't know what's going on and not to say I'm not making then, mistakes I'll put my hand up and say I'm sure I make plenty but I can see the mistakes they're making. I'm sure they can see the mistakes I'm making. But nobody gets it perfect because they're not fucking computers. They're humans. But, uh, well, I don't think even the idea of perfection makes sense, even for a computer, if that makes sense. Even well, at least... Well, there's two different kinds of per imperfection. Um, Pi Solver it would be inherently flawed because you have X amount of computing power and you use the computing power you have to, to use a finite amount of sizings. And then what happens is you play a near approaching perfect game because you don't solve to zero usually yeah. with a finite amount of sizings and a finite amount of reactions to said sizings. If you yeah. solve for every single sizing, then what you've got is perfect poker, which they don't have because it's too much computing power and it costs money. So oh. this, is, yeah. this is just straight facts, in my opinion. 
Now, people oh, can yeah. debate me on that, but I don't know. Yeah, it's like... Um, I'd like to uh, point out that perfection in that sense, uh, I mean, definitely will never be perfect in the sense of not making the computational careless mistakes of, of computers, but if you look at computers as like these like finite um, things that can't, that just are just what they are, um, if you know what I mean, like if you look at them as though like a coffee machine is just going to make coffee, but it's going to make coffee really well. It's going to make coffee mm. a lot better than um, if it's a great coffee machine. It's going to make coffee a lot better than like any human is ever going to do. <laughs> yeah, sure. That sense. I, I definitely, um, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it will, um, but as we're just saying, it's limited in that capacity. And when you think of perfect in the sense of like having all the right traits for a person um, or like having, you know, the perfect game in, in terms of like Mac, just knowing what to do in every single situation that I don't think that perfection really exists, mm -hmm. uh, even for a computer, if that makes sense. How can it does that make exist? Sense. Because it, it, like a computer, like it, it just doesn't exist, period, because there are too mm. many, because there's infinite situations. There's always going to be something else that comes up and mm. uh and yeah, I mean, so I think computers will get me, better at doing it, but it's just like they're sort of going to approach. Do you understand? They're going to approach 100, percent but not reach it like before. Like back in the day, I remember they're like, "Oh, we've got opening ranges for tournaments, and we got shove ranges for 15 blinds." And I'm like, "When is this kind of stuff going to do post flop?" And they're like, "Oh no, it's not going to do post flop." It's like, why not? Because there's too much well, stuff. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, but the computing power is going up, so why not? This um, is what I thought, anyway. Yeah. No, I, I do think so, but here's the thing, is that um, is that it's, like, impossible to... At least this is what I think, because thinking about this now, I'm not so sure I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I can say uh, something from research, which appears to be true. Okay. Uh, AI is not my specialty, but... Mm -hmm one thing is that you can't like what has to ha what has happened in this situation is that basically computers handled a bracket of reality and it was like for whatever reason people are like the the bracket of reality got way bigger and then the uh for some reason people said oh because it handled this small bracket and this bracket's so small it can't handle this bigger bracket um and of course it did because like what's really the difference and but the thing is that uh where computers uh it appears that i mean this is like gets into the actual uh aspect of ai uh just my personal guess is that uh because reality isn't that linear it's not like you just put like it's not linear variables in a box and then that's that's it it's mm. like there's all these it's it's much more complicated than that and there's like a lot of uh uh cross things that apply in different fields and there's always like the value of different perspectives and mm -hmm. basically it's just not linear at all uh no, and even scalability even scalability itself is still putting reality in a box if that makes mm. sense and com computers are really good at handling boxes uh, yeah as let me it, ask you a question what time is it where you are it's about 4 p.m what time is it one hour ago uh 3 p.m 
Okay, so what time is it on Mars? Uh, I don't know. And like, wh how long does one hour take on Mars, relevant to Earth? Or how long does, oh. do you know what I mean? Maybe it takes one hour. Maybe it doesn't take one hour. Like, what? this is what I think. People say it's like, time is, it's like right now, let's say I'm in Melbourne. Let's say it's 10.50pm. Yeah. People say, okay, this app, this this is 10.50pm, and then in 24 hours it'll be 10.50pm the next day. But like, even that's not, even that's bullshit, because there's not 365 days in a year, there's 365 and a quarter days in a year, because we have the leap year, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's relevant to where the planets are like if we have the sun and then everything orbits the sun and then we take a bit longer to orbit the sun sometimes because there's other masses in there dragging us around that's what determines time if time like if we say a day is 24 hours it's a day is how long it takes to orbit the sun right which is by the logic if it's 365 and a quarter days in a year then it's not 24 hours to orbit the sun it's slightly more and at least has to be more some of the time. Like in my, mm -hmm. what I think time is and it can't be linear in what I think because, because it gets warped due to the gravity of masses near other masses. This is my understanding mm -hmm. of physics. Time is just a chronological order in which events take place from A, B, C and D. So before I ask you this question, I ask you what time it is. That was in the past. What I say to you in the, in the, is in the future time explains the relationship between those masses and how they move does that make sense at least yeah. this is what i think yeah. i think you can say it's 10 50 p.m it's 3 p.m it's 4 p.m i think it's all bullshit personally do you understand and i don't think it's linear either because like if you watch say interstellar you can say oh it's x amount of years back here but it's hours on this thing that couldn't exist if time was linear because time gets warped if i asked you a question and I say, pick a box, one or two, what do you say? Uh, two. Okay, but did you pick one on the other parallel universe? I don't know. But if you did, is time linear? <laughs> yeah, I, it appears that uh, I don't know much about time. It actually is a... Uh, we don't, we, don't, enough, we okay. don't have enough time to figure this one out. Uh, yeah, that's okay. We might never have enough time to figure this one out. Quantum physics, I believe, said that suggested that time is, uh, in fact, not linear, um, which is weird. Like things, like there are inevitabilities that happen because of things in the past. I don't really get how that works, but whatever. Um, um, anyway, yeah, we definitely uh, don't have time to discuss this one. But yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> maybe another a conversation for another day when we're not on the podcast. One, one interesting thing that I want to add is that. It turns out that human brains do something that's totally different from robot uh, calculations or whatever, or robots. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the uh, best teams for... I read this in a book called Range, but the best teams for, like... I don't know if it was chess or I don't know if it was something else, like some yes. kind of sport, were actually human and uh, robot combinations. Uh, they call them Cerberuses. Huh? The hybrids, huh? You get four robots yeah. and four humans is better than eight of either. I mean, this sounds like some bullshit out of a cartoon. I think that could like, definitely be true. Why not? Yeah, but apparently the hu human brains do something that's just... Uh, Let me leave you with another question before we go. So, your name's Daniel Cates, and you were born to Daniel Cates' parents, right? Yeah. And you were born X amount of years ago, X amount of days ago. You know the answer. I don't know how old you are exactly. 
But if yeah. I if I was born to your parents and raised in your home and then walked every day in your shoes, would I be you? Uh, I don't know. Would I make every decision that you made or not? Probably I don't know not. either. Probably not. <laughs> I'd still see the world as black and white, yeah? Yeah. Uh, well. Um, we'll have to, uh, the black and white one we'll settle later. I'll we'll settle be later. sure to have this shirt or something. You can have a black shirt, okay. a white hat or something. This shirt's white. Um, I'm just fucking with you. Huh? I'm just fucking with you, man. It's a black um, shirt. Uh, I've got a, oh, by the way, I, I'll, I'll, I want to mention that you, I noticed that you, uh, interrupted me less lately from, Interrupted me less than you did from before. I was the one interrupting more in general over uh, this call. I guess I was. Yeah, I'll pat myself on the back for that. This is when I was in Cyprus, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's because I wasn't sleeping and uh, my thoughts were racing, so I was probably just being a bit of a dickhead. My bad. That's yeah, cool. No, I'm saying I'm complimenting you. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. You're allowed to interrupt me. It's all good. You're in the human. I have one very important question for you, for you before uh, we go. We're running out of time. Shoot. Um, we'll have to solve life mysteries another time. Uh, yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, so what's... Uh, so on your uh, Twitter, it says that you're a c consumer of ice cream. So Yeah. Might have to what, throw that uh, one in the bin too. But anyway, moving on. You're going to ask me about some ice cream? What's your favorite flavor? I don't know if I have a favorite flavor per se, but I have some favorite brands. Does that make sense? Because I feel like some of the manufacturers of ice cream are much better than others. Mm -hmm. But favorite flavor... Hmm. I think I like the stuff that's like slight hybrids with different stuff going on. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if I have an answer, a pure answer for favorite flavor. But... Some of the brands I like, for example, I'm not big on Ben & Jerry's for whatever reason. I feel like it's got too much sugar in it. It's not creamy enough. I like the creamier mm -hmm. stuff. I think Moven Pick's pretty good. And in Australia, I like Connoisseur. And then there's a bunch of boutique brands that I like that are pretty good also. Some ones okay. in Australia. Okay. Chase the brands, mate. That's where the, that's where the gourmet stuff comes from. But I've started to realize I might be lactose intolerant. So maybe I gotta oh. give up the ice cream, which hurts. Hurts my soul, bro. Okay. What about you? Right. What's your favorite flavor? I think it's uh, Rocky Road. Rocky Road. But, but you never know. There might be some ice cream flavors out there that I haven't tried. There you go. As I've discovered. It's all on the spectrum. We get. We can get introduced to some new flavors. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, the. The time you put in and your uh, input towards and your efforts towards this winning the game of life thing, no worries, from philosophical angle, it's been a, a uh, it's great efforts. We're gonna need more team members like yourself okay. in there. No worries. In that, uh, yeah, but we'll have to solve life's mysteries another time. Yeah, no um, worries. We'll, we'll, it was we'll nice have more mysteries to, to solve. Huh? Oh, too many mysteries to solve. It was nice talking to you. Yeah, as uh, we discussed, we need to be patient with the mysteries. Ch just tackle a few at a time. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a couple of balls down for the minute, and then we'll practice our juggling in the spare time. We'll see how we go. All right, we'll, we'll practice the juggling, too. We'll get to the juggling. All right. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you. On.
Yeah. yeah you too. Thanks.